Hey, you guys, Dan Schreiner here with the Disciple Vincent podcast. And today we have the privilege of hearing from Rebecca Smith. Some of you heard Travis, Rebecca's husband, preach this last Sunday evening. Now you get to hear Rebecca. Uh, Travis and Rebecca have been members here for some time. They were here a little over 10 years ago and uh, were launched out of Hinson to go to Egypt. And uh, I even got the privilege of visiting them in Cairo. I think it was in 2012, along with some other Hinson people. Uh, Now they're back home, back here in the Portland area. And I wanted you to get to know Rebecca and hear her heart in particular uh, for discipling others. So hope you're encouraged in your pursuit of others in the church and in your own family. And you enjoy listening. Welcome, Rebecca Smith. Thank you for coming on the Disciple Henson Podcast. Thanks. Happy to be here. Rebecca, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Who are you? So um, my name is Rebecca Smith, and I have been, my family and I have been members at Henson Church since 2005. My husband and I have been married for 21 years. He is the love of my whole life. Um, We say it's the the best 18 years of our life because we had a kind of a rough takeoff, but we're in smooth sailing now. When were you guys married? Um, 1999. Did you guys meet in this area? At, did you meet at Henson? Mm-mm, no, we you... met in Colorado Springs. He was actually um, working at the ministry, or he was an intern at the ministry that took us overseas. So we have four children who are 20, 19, 16, and 12. So we're still in the thick of it. <laughs> and where do you guys live? We live in Tigard. Um, which is, it's a great location for us because it's close to family and it's reachable to the church. My husband's an engineer for the city of Beaverton and I am a dental front office coordinator. How long have you been doing that? Since August, like not long. How do you like it? It's fun. I love saying hi and bye and that's about all I do. (laughs) (laughs) I could see how you'd be good at that. Um, You mentioned just a minute ago that you guys were, something brought you overseas. Where were you overseas and what were you doing? Yeah, so we were in Cairo, Egypt. Um, We went there in 2010. Um, My husband was working for an organization called Engineering Ministry International, which um, is an organization that does design and helps with um, architectural and engineering projects for existing church organizations that are intentionally spreading the gospel to the poor. So while we were in Egypt, he served all over North Africa and the Middle East. And did you say how long you guys were there? We were there nine years. Nine years. Mm -hmm. And initially you just thought you'd be there three? Yeah, that's the trick. See, (laughs) God is so faithful to give us what we can handle. (laughs) So, So we agreed to three years, then we agreed to another three years, and then we agreed to another three years. And so after that, it was time to... To come home. We had kids going to college, and it was time to adjust to back to the States. Yeah. Well, we would love to hear from you uh, and or Travis about uh, some other time, about your work in Egypt and some stories of your time there. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, But today, I thought we could talk about discipling. Great. Discipling in the home, Mm -hmm. in the church. Mm -hmm. Uh, But let's hear just a little bit more about your story. Who shared the gospel with you first? How did you come to Christ, Rebecca? Yeah, so I don't remember, thankfully, a time in my life where I didn't know that Jesus came to die on the cross for my sins. 
Uh, my parents were divorced when I was really young, and so my mom relied heavily on the church community for her support and her encouragement. And so, um, and this is the church in Shreveport, mm-hmm, Shreveport, Louisiana. So some people might be wondering where the accent comes from. Yes, there it is. Yes, I'm from the South. I'm a recovering Southerner. <laughs> A stray magnolia, as you would. Um, But yeah, so we were at the church every time the doors opened, like we were there. Um, And yeah, so that was my first exposure to the gospel. But then I didn't come to know the Lord until, ironically, I was at a church camp with another denomination. And um, through that experience is where the Lord really took me from a heart knowledge to, or a head knowledge Mm -hmm. to a heart knowledge. How, so how old were you when you think you came to Christ? I was, it was the summer after my freshman year. Of high school? Of high school. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And baptized in a swimming pool? Baptized in a swimming pool. As you do in the South. As you do. And there were frogs, of course, because it was the evening. So the frogs all gravitate toward the pool. Because I don't even know if there was chlorine in the pool. <laughs> like, I think it's just a pool. Yeah, frog fully relying upon God. Have you heard that? Is that what you were thinking when you were baptized? No, what is that? Um... I don't really know. Some somebody told me that frog, if you you know, as a acrostic, fully relying on God, you can get a bracelet oh, I see. with it. Yeah, I see. Maybe we'll That's have clever. another podcast on that. We'll work on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or we might edit that coming out because I just have random thoughts come into my head. There. It's great. I love it. Um, so we want to talk about after you were converted. So you're mm-hmm. a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. What does it look like for you to grow in Christ? Were you ever discipled? Yeah, so I wasn't really discipled in the way that we consider that today. Um, After I came to know the Lord, I just sort of continued on doing what I did in the church, Um, going to youth group. I attended Bible studies, but they were big Bible studies. They weren't really created for sort of an intimate type of a discipleship. Um, And that was, it was good, but I didn't really find how to really use the Bible, how to apply it to my life. Um, Fortunately, there were always girls in my life that were a little older, some in college, that I sort of looked at their life and thought, yeah, I want to be like that. That's who I want to be with. And so I would kind of model the things that I saw them do, um, which was beneficial, but um, it didn't help me really grow in my own theology or understanding of who God was. It was just more imitating what I saw. Um, So did you go to a Christian school for college? I did go to a Christian school for college. Well, I went to lots of schools for college. (laughs) Um, So I went to state school and a Christian school. Uh Um, But um, I really didn't have discipleship because I just didn't ask for it. I was very immature and um, insecure, and so I just failed to reach out to people and ask for that growth and development. Um, And while I was there, um, I think it was my junior year of college, I met my friend Mary Beth, and we were also roommates, and it was there that we began to have discussions of what does it mean to be a woman of God? What does it mean to fear the Lord? Um, how do you use the Bible? Because, you know, we were just using the con- the concordance. Back in the day, we didn't have Google, so we would use the concordance. Okay, what does it say about love? What does it say about this? And it was it was taxing, um, but it was a really good, you know, growth time together. So 
with Mary Beth, do you think you think that's maybe the first time you were discipled as a Christian um, in kind of that technical sense that you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it was the first time that there was an intentional effort to grow spiritually on my own, to try to figure out what does it look like to live a life committed to Christ in everything, not just going to church, but how do I be a good employee? How do I be a good student? Um, how am I going to be one day as a wife or as a mother? And that's when I began to seek out what does God say about himself? What does God say about his faithfulness to his word? And so it was discipleship, but I sort of think it's, it was a little backhanded. It would have been helpful to have had a front runner a little bit, but. So would you say anything to maybe someone who's listening or to a friend who thinks it's sufficient just to, you know, go to church on Sunday, maybe be a part of a small group, um, but they don't really have time for giving themselves to Mm -hmm. discipling in the way that you're talking about, say, with Mary Beth. Um, How would you encourage a friend or a family member who maybe just thinks participation and kind of the events of church life is uh, is sufficient for their growth as a Christian. Anything you would say? Yeah, I I definitely think participation with our church family and in small groups and things that's that's really what knits our hearts together and it builds unity. Um, so those are gr- those are very important things. Um, but I would encourage them to make that time to approach someone in the church that they admire, a leader, um, you know, and just ask, you know, is there anyone that you would recommend that that I could kind of mentor and sit down with? Or maybe even if there's two or three friends and they have a leader that they connect with to sit down and say, let's be intentional about walking through um, books of the Bible, learning how to use the Bible is, is an essential part of our Christian walk. And I think sometimes we just sort of open it and think these amazing truths are going to come out, which they will. But learning those truths and how to apply them to our lives is a vital part for our perseverance in the faith. That's really helpful. And I think it's, yeah, I was, my next question was going to be what kind of what is discipling? You're already describing it in a really helpful way. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, by way of contrast, talk about maybe what discipling is not. I think often, maybe in the church, we've been so impacted by our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, we think of, of discipling as basically just mentoring or having a life right. coach. But what does make, what makes discipling particularly Christian? Yeah, so <clears throat> I think, um, okay, this is the best question ever. I really enjoyed this question because I'm really familiar with, you know, what concepts of mentorship and personal um, personal growth, personal growth mm-hmm. and professional growth and all that is. The idea of a life coach has always been very funny to me because I just imagine Will Ferrell like running beside someone going, turn left, you know, take this job. And um, it's just a really interesting thought to be a life coach but i love that mental image by the way isn't it hilarious Mm -hmm. to think about will ferrell just yelling at you what to do in life um yeah so i the heartbeat of the question is really great because i think there are two main things that separate um being a mentor having life coach from being a christian being in a, a christian discipleship relationship um one is the life coach and mentors are more about self and now um, they're all about empowering, you know, someone to succeed um, at their career or maybe accomplish different areas in their personal life. But 
the trick is, is that's done on the person's own terms mm -hmm. for their own benefit and for their own earthly future. Um, whereas, you know, Christian discipleship is almost the complete opposite. Um, we're looking at Christ and eternity. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is to teach or, or to um, encourage one another how to really, you know, become more Christ-like. Um, one of my favorite verses is Second Corinthians, and it says, you know, we are all with an unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to the next. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So the goal of Christian discipleship is to be refined so that we can see the Lord with an unveiled face and, um, and, and, and have that for eternity. And so I feel like that's the major difference between those two things. Amen. That's a, yeah. I I love how you you couch that in scripture, and uh, I think that's a great a great contrast and something so much more worthy to strive for. Mm -hmm. Not becoming your best self, mm -hmm. but becoming being conformed to the image of Christ. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And we do that together. Uh, and and often the Lord puts us in situations where He calls us mm -hmm. to uh, be doing that with with family or mm -hmm. close friends, mm -hmm. and the Lord made you a mom. Yes. And uh, when did you think early on as a mom that it was your job to disciple or to help your kids see Christ? How did you think about what we've been talking about as far as discipling when it, came, when it comes to your kids? Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, I think you just— Growing up in the church and having had a mom who who modeled Christian living, and and my husband also grew up in a Christian home, you know we had before us the importance of taking your kids to church, mm -hmm. um, teaching them about God. You know, I mean, I think we got three children's story Bibles when we had each kid. You know, mm -hmm. um, reading them Bible stories, but really, <clears throat> it wasn't until we really read um, Shepherding a Child's Heart, that we began to get the picture of how to train up a heart, to disciple a heart, not just using scripture as a way of discipline, but to use it as a way to shape their identity hmm. and how they would grow up and see the Lord. Um, that, was, that was the first time we ever really thought about that. Um, I think also that book really changed because it began. It worked on the heart of a parent. The Paul Tripp book is yes. the one you're talking about. Oh my about. gosh, yep. it rocked my world. Mm -hmm. I was like, golly, this is this is more for me. Mm -hmm. This is about me, mm -hmm. um, changing and shaping my heart to being a child of God. You know, there's so many biblical principles that applied to my life before the Lord, not just my child to me. You know. <laughs> Any other uh, lessons learned? You said your oldest is 18 and your youngest is 12? My oldest is 20. 20, okay. And the youngest is 12. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, just any kind of lessons learned, uh, ways you would encourage parents of younger children, ways you would encourage parents of older children in general? Lessons learned. Oh, wow. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, I think um, the biggest the biggest lessons that we learned were to be flexible, really. Um, what worked in one season of our life uh, may not have worked in another, and that's okay. 
Um, you have to leave room for your family to grow and change based on the seasons that God puts you in. Um, it's certainly beneficial. You know, growing up in church, we have sort of these friends who we can all look at and grow from and we're in community with. But um, it is it is beneficial to talk about what you're doing um, with your friends. But it's not beneficial if that's something you're comparing yourself to. Um, so it's really important to recognize that where you're at, what you can do before the Lord that's that's joyful, that's enough for that season. You don't have to look like something else. That's a great encouragement. I, I appreciate that. Anything in particular for parents of younger children? Any words of wisdom? Oh, um, you know, I think I think the the most important thing you can do is is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It may seem really oversimplistic um, because it is super, super important to do those things like be intentional, have those devotion times, incorporate scripture, memory. Um, But ultimately, kids are going to identify with what they see you doing. Um, I have a son right now who is not following the Lord. He's um, 19. He's kind of you know, drifting, finding his own way, trying to pull himself up by his own bootstraps. Um, but what he says continually to Travis and I is, when I look at you and dad's life, the way that y'all live, your marriage, the way that you love people, that's that's what I want. I want that. That and must give you a lot of encouragement and it, hope. It does, because, you yeah. know, when you have a child that, mm-hmm. that doesn't follow the Lord, there's a lot of self-doubt mm-hmm. that comes mm-hmm. in. But the fact that he does see the richness of Christ displayed in our life is Mm -hmm. comforting. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and and the thing is, is like we can instill a hundred different traditions, Mm -hmm. but if our children don't see us loving God's word and walking in his way and striving to um, enjoy the blessings that God has given us, then our children will learn traditions, Mm -hmm. but -hmm. they will not learn how to live and see Jesus every day. Yeah, that's a great distinction. Uh, any words of wisdom for parents of older children? And I'm just using that very broadly. <laughs> you can define older children however you like. Yeah, so I'm preaching to the choir on this one because um, this is where I'm at right now. And I am not going to lie. It is, it's a challenging season, discipling and evangelizing your, your own kids as they get older and become teens and young adults. It is, it's challenging. Um I think it's a whole other podcast, (laughs) to be honest. Um, But I think the biggest things would be to be available when they want to talk. Um, Pursue them even when they don't want you to be around. Um, You might need to be creative through that, depending on where they live and how they're in community with you. Um, We do think Jordan works at a coffee shop, so we'll go down and get coffee from him, or we'll have a game night. Jordan and Claire are baristas? Yes, but Claire is here at Eastside, and, you know, Jordan's down in Newburgh, so yeah. I've, I've, like, You're all over the place getting your coffee, yeah. Yeah, and so we'll go down, get coffee, have him up for game nights. Mm -hmm. I have another dear friend whose son um, makes biscuits, and you can see him in the window, and so they go down every Monday and, and get biscuits from him and take it, so you just have to be creative on how to show up Mm. for your kids based on where they're at. Um, And then I think, 
You know, the most significant thing I would say, and I, I say this because it is it can be a bit of a hard pill to swallow, but it's um, setting your kids free to connect and um, be in community with um, leaders of the church because oftentimes they will make those connections and there'll be a freedom to receive truth from them that, that they don't have from you for some reason. <laughs> and that's that's a little bit sad, but yeah. it's also you need those voices. They need people in their lives that are as concerned about their salvation and their personal growth as as we are as parents. So And yeah, that's a really helpful transition to what I want to talk about next. You've talked a little bit about discipling and evangelism really in the home, but now we want to think about how do we think as a church family about discipling in the church. Mm-hmm. So, Rebecca, I'd love to hear from you. How do you think we as a church family can grow in discipling? Yeah, honestly, I think that we are doing a really great job as a church. Um, one of my very favorite things at Henson is the leadership's desire for each member to really be seen and to feel a part of the body here. Um, and for the visitors to know that even during these odd and often isolating times, there are ways to connect. So I think the efforts that um, that Neil goes through to place us all in small groups is hugely beneficial. And I think that's one of the key things that Henson does well. Also, I know that Mary Alice and um, Neil are available to connect people with other people. So um, my daughter approached Mary Alice to say, you know, hey, I'm really looking for a mentor in this area. And Mary Alice is diligently looking for that. And so I think we have really good um, systems in place to help people connect intimately that want to grow um, in the Lord. Yeah, speaking of your daughter, Claire mm-hmm. just became a member yeah. two weeks ago. What a beautiful thing. Amen. What a beautiful thing. Yeah, that must be so encouraging for you and Travis. Yeah, it yeah. really was. And we were just kind of letting her make her own decision. You know, mm-hmm. just she grew up in this church. Hmm. And um, I don't want to tell her story because it's really sweet. But um, it is it, it is very um, satisfying, you know, to know that, yeah, this is a place that not that she doesn't just come to because she knows, but because she understands the um, importance of doctrine and theology and membership. Mm, praise God. Rebecca, as we conclude our conversation here for the podcast, anything that the Lord, anything uh, that you would like to share about what God's been teaching you through this season uh, that you'd like to share with the church family? You know, I think like many of us, um, just during this isolation period, I am growing just deeper in love and in appreciation with the gathering of the family of God. Hmm. Um, I My heart just sings now when I hear that Psalms 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It's like each Sunday I come with this expectation of corporate worship and corporate prayer and um, just the gift of sitting personally under the administration of the Word of God. I'm just... I'm just coming to different levels of um, understanding that the church isn't something we just attend because the Bible tells us to, but it's something we do um, for the mutual encouragement of our eternal family and our own um, ability to grow in Christ. I I hear you. 
I think I, I cried with joy when I heard mm-hmm. that the governor's orders were going to increase oh, yeah. the capacity or of, of us yeah. to, to gather as yeah. a church. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that's just so amazing, you know, when we went to Egypt, we sort of missed Michael's entrance into Henson. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so we were members in 2005. Mm-hmm. We knew the importance of being members, but we just didn't understand the covenant relationship of being a member. And... Man, I am just growing so much in understanding how precious church membership is, grappling with what's my responsibility to the body, um, how do I use my giftings to encourage and and grow those around me. Um, I'm just learning so much. I mean, being isolated and doing church at home and now coming back and seeing everybody you know, even just for 10 or 15 minutes after church, I'm just realizing how much we need um, to be together, to carry each other's burdens and share in joys. And um, it's just a really beautiful gift. Membership is just a, a really beautiful gift to Preach. the body of Christ. Preach, sister. <laughs> well, we'll have you lead a discussion maybe for the young adults. They're talking about on their Monday night Bible study, I think, the importance of church membership yeah. in the church. So Yeah, it's definitely... Um, not a new concept, but mm. I think the, um, I think the, the accountability that comes into church membership is mm. something that's very new. Um, maybe out here to the northwest, but mm-hmm. certainly to, you know, certainly to I think the Christian body as a whole. Yeah, we certainly have been encouraged uh, as a church staff and elders, mm-hmm. uh, just people continually coming to the church and saying, I want that. I want that accountability. Yeah. I want that discipline even, yeah. should yeah. I stray from from the Lord. I know. And I, I feel like, too, it's such a beautiful thing as a body of believers, you know, to see these members standing in front of us mm-hmm. and they're, they're committing to attending, but they're also, you know, committing to say, hey, we're, we're in this. Mm-hmm. We're going to show up and we're going to adjust our lives to... Um, learn and be refined together. And it it is a really incredible thing. But I think what's so sweet to me about it is there's there a lot of them are young. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's sort of this, I hate to use the word revival because being from the South, that just means a big old tent and a, you know, a call to prayer or a, a call to salvation. But, but it's really a revival of understanding what the family of God looks like. And these are these are our eternal brothers and sisters. What a beautiful thing to be able to mimic on this earth um, in church yeah. through membership. So. Yeah, yeah. What about for your family, Rebecca, and for you personally? How can we pray for the Smith family uh, during these days? Yeah. Um, so we've been back about a year and a half. Um, so from it Egypt. Is, yeah, from Egypt. We got back June 2019. Um, so it is time to buy a house which feels oddly strange to put down some roots. So, you know, tangibly in this market, we need to find a house and we need to know where to find a house. Hospitality is our gifting in our ministry. So I'm just sort of holding my hands up to the Lord like... You guys lead a small group? We do lead yep. a small group, and mm-hmm. but we're meeting at a coffee shop right now. Oh, no full, kidding. Fully masked. Okay. But um, <laughs> yeah, one of our um, members has a coffee shop or works at a coffee shop and we can use their... Um, their, That's great. 
area facilities. for facilities. Yep. Yeah, for mm-hmm. that. And it's been really fun. But I would like to eventually get back to having it in our home. But mm-hmm. we'll take the coffee shop for now. It's great. Um, so we need to know where the Lord wants us because we really do feel like missions and evangelizing is not something, it's not a special calling. It's just Mm -hmm. what you're supposed to do as a believer. Mm -hmm. And so we would like to be in a place that we can do that. Um, And a lot of heart conditions come with that. You Mm -hmm. know, the revelation Mm -hmm. of we're in America for a long time Mm -hmm. and how do we be mission-minded, dependent on the Lord in a place that feels so comfortable. Yeah. So. Those are great prayer requests. Let me lead us in prayer for you now. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your work of grace in Rebecca's life. Uh, Lord, we pray your blessing on her, and we pray for the Smith family, for Travis and Rebecca, as they uh, consider this upcoming move, potentially, and purchasing a home. We pray that you would provide for them. We pray that you would provide them with a home in which they can use for your kingdom purposes, with the church family, with the lost Uh, for the sake of their children. Lord, we just pray that you would protect their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, Lord, that they would not uh, fall into worldliness as they uh, consider this transition, uh, not only to maybe a new home, uh, but to life back here in America. Uh, So Lord, help them to continue to be mission-minded and to be seeking to, to win the loss to your glorious name and humility, recognizing that it is you alone who do the saving uh, by your Holy Spirit. So pray that they would trust you uh, with their children, with those whom they share with, whether it be coworkers or neighbors or friends, and that, and that you would be, be working uh, through Travis and Rebecca for your great uh, glory's sake. Uh, so Lord, we thank you for uh, this conversation, and we pray your blessing on uh, Travis and Rebecca and their kids. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Rebecca, thanks so much for having this conversation yeah, today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was you were fun. excellent.